This week on Myths and Legends, it's a story from Norwegian folklore about how all your problems can be solved by a dance party and why, yes, you do want to buy that stranger some badly needed pants, for reasons other than the obvious ones. The creatures this week are why I don't like home improvement projects. Other than my laziness and lack of skills, it's because they attract wood imps. This is Myths and Legends, episode 312. Let's dance. This is a podcast where we tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you might think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are tales you might not have heard, but really should. Today's episode comes from Norwegian folklore, from the 1800s, and a tale from Peter Christian Asbjornsen. This time, we meet a young man named Freddy. The family was in a pinch, between a rock and a hard place, stuck because work was scarce, food even harder to find. Their family was a father and a son. Father and Freddy. Freddy, however, was described as weak and in declining health and he couldn't do just any job. They had begged from neighbors and passersby for a while, but these days, at the sight of their faces, people turned and walked faster. No, they didn't have anything to spare, or else they wouldn't have anything left for them. You could only ask the same person about 40 times for help. The pool was tapped out. Come on, Freddy, the father said one day. The cupboards were bare, the pantry full of nothing but cobwebs, Maybe Freddy could be a cowherd or run errands. They would go see. Everyone looked at the boy once and shook their heads. Some made an excuse. Most just went about their day. The local sheriff was the only one to cock his head and stare with a tight mouth a second longer. Mm, okay. The father and Freddy... Father and Freddy could barely believe it. Wait, seriously? A job. The sheriff nodded. Yep, he actually just fired his last errand boy. <laughs> After a beating, of course. Having a hard time finding someone else to work for him. Turned out people with any choice whatsoever didn't care to associate with him at all. Little Freddy here, though, gave the impression that he didn't really belong to that group. When could he start? Neither the dad nor Freddy were too thrilled. But they were starving. Freddy would start immediately. You'll have food to eat, at least the father said. You'll have a roof over your head, said the sheriff, but you'll work for your board. Wages, clothing, time off, nothing else was discussed. Freddy watched as his father's shoulders shrank into a dot on the horizon and disappeared with the sun. Three years. 1,095 days. Freddy had counted all of them. He would have counted his salary, too, if he had anything to count. But there was not. Not until Freddy asked to leave. The sheriff had cursed and punched the wall. But in the end, he'd handed over three pennies. One for each year of employment. Now, this wasn't a lot of money. Not for three years of work. It would be ridiculous now, and it was pretty much ridiculous then. But Freddy was feeling happy. 
Three pennies were literally more than he had ever held in his entire life. He felt confident, taller, free. Still though, 1,095 days were a lot of days, a lot of errands, and a lot of lectures from the sheriff, mostly yelling. The boy was grateful, don't get him wrong, but he owed it to himself to at least ask the question, to ask for a little bit more. You got more than you deserved, snapped the sheriff, hefting a sack full of heavy coins to the back room. The boy said, well, how about just a little for some new clothes? He'd pretty much worn through the set he came here in. I mean, look, there's a penny there on the floor. Could he have one of those to get a pair of pants in town? The sheriff stormed back empty-handed and kicked the fallen penny across the room. It disappeared beneath a set of shelves. The sheriff explained with screaming that he didn't have to pay the boy in the first place. They didn't actually have an agreement. He wanted to go, go. On his way out, the sheriff hollered once more and chucked a hunk of cheese out the front window. Freddy brushed it off and tucked it in his knapsack, thankful for his employer's generosity and his terrible aim. Now, which way to go? As an errand boy, Freddy had been all over. He knew this country now. He knew what it held and, more importantly, knew what it didn't hold. Opportunity, for him, that is. He had been everywhere but the mountains, so he would go through the mountains. Purple hills in the distance became blue peaks as he walked, then turned into gray crags. He would never be able to climb. Still, he kept walking until he was surrounded by a stone wall on three sides. He was at an impasse and sat down to wipe his brow. What now? What was he even doing here? He didn't know what waited for him on the other side of the mountain range, but he knew what was back the way he came. What was at home? Nothing. I'm not sure why he didn't want to return to his father. Maybe he resented the man for leaving him with the sheriff. Maybe he was scared of what he would find. I mean, they were already starving, and that was three years ago. Maybe he didn't want to return with only three pennies, with all that time apart having been for nothing. So, he would climb. The first few pushes up the mountain were the easiest, but soon, Freddy learned to use his legs and just hang with his arms studying the path up until he was ready to move. I learned some things about rock climbing recently, and like Herman Melville talking about whaling, you're going to hear everything I learned. No, I'm just kidding. Steady. Definitely not looking down, or else he would feel queasy and probably lose his lunch, or yesterday's lunch, that was the last time he ate. <gasps> Where's pennies? He looked up and continued the climb. At the top, he hoisted one leg over the ledge, and then the other, as he gracefully rolled to safety. By the way, have you ever tried to climb up anything ever? I, for one, feel like I'm going to spring over like Batman, but in reality, I'm clinging for my life. My stomach is scraping the top, and I just, like, barely make it every time. But he didn't rest long before sitting up, feeling his pockets, and pulling out his money. Three pennies. All right, he made it. The wind had really picked up halfway up the mountain, and at the top, gusts swirled even more reminding him of the many holes in his shirt and pants. He didn't know what awaited him on the other side of the mountains, but he hoped they were new clothes. He was about to reach the other side of the plateau to see how gnarly the descent would be, when a voice called out to him. Hi, Freddy said, holding his pennies in his pocket, maybe cursing that he didn't eat them to protect his riches before being beset by bandits on a mountain pass. But it was only a solitary traveler. To his right, a weathered man hobbled toward him. 
He was tall, sure, maybe one and a half times the size of the sheriff, but he was hunched and wizened. The boy studied his hands. Hands that were more like claws. Freddy stepped back, and rocks tumbled over the edge of the cliff all cliche-like. Whoa, 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 I'm not going to hurt you. The traveler raised his hands. Freddy shirked, and the man raised the hand with the stick in it. He had memories of the sheriff. But a smile unfurled from under the shadows of the man's hood, and the man stepped back. Freddy relaxed. I was hoping you could spare me a penny, the man said, after the wind died down. Well, Freddy grimaced, he only had three, and if he gave this stranger one of them, he'd only be left with two. Freddy straightened his shirt and his shorts, what was left of them, that is, and looked off in the distance. The wind had picked up again and brought a chill. He sighed, looking at the man's tattered clothes. The stranger was even worse off than he was. Here, Freddy said, holding out a palm, you can have it. His smile was genuine, and the stranger accepted the penny with a bow of his head and left. Freddy pocketed his two remaining pennies and inched to the edge of the cliff. Too steep, way too steep. Well, maybe there was a smarter way down somewhere else. After 10 minutes on the path, a rock up ahead began to move. Only, it wasn't a rock, but a man. Another man, another stranger. This one was even bigger than the last. Conservatively, he was five times the size of the last man, and at least two times uglier, if anyone was asking. They weren't, but whatever. He had a big stick, too. Leaned on it like a cane, like the last man, with a hand on his aching back. The stranger eyed him as he passed, and then he laughed. No need for fear, young man. I'm not going to eat you. The man raised his hand in surrender, his stick nearly hitting Freddy in the face. The boy stepped back for a better look at the man's face. He didn't like how the stranger immediately went to cannibalism, uh, but it was comforting that he was in the anti-eating human camp. Say, you don't happen to have a spare penny you could give me, do you? The stranger's eyes looked as hopeful as a smile. Freddy tried to explain he just gave a penny to the last fellow. It's just that I need some new clothes is all. It was impossible to ignore the shiver in the stranger's arms. His skin that prickled with goosebumps. His shirt and pants that had become shorts that, wow, they had torn in the exact same places as the first guy. The stranger began to performatively shiver once more. The cold seemed to have reached his bones. Freddy knew what he had to do. That inner voice was telling him to do the right thing. This stranger had an even bigger body, wore rags just like him, but he had no pennies. While Freddy had three, I mean, Freddy had two, he corrected himself. But he shouldn't be greedy. He shouldn't hoard for himself while those around him didn't have enough. If everyone did that sort of thing, the world would be in a bad spot. He held out a hand and gave his second penny to the stranger. A smile, a thank you, and the man was gone, just like the first. We'll meet another giant in even more desperate need of pants, but that will be right after this. 
It was okay, it was. Freddy still had one shiny penny left. And soon, he would be in town, sifting through racks for new clothes. The best items were on the sale rack anyway. It would all be fine. After 20 more minutes, he had finally decided on a decent path down the mountain and sat to rest. Almost there, just a little longer, just his heart sank. Further along the plateau, just before the mountain took off in a steep climb to the higher peak, a rock, a boulder, began to move. Freddy squinted. The form didn't make sense. Well, that was because it wasn't a man this time, but a foot. The heel rose, the toes pressed on the mountain, and it soared straight for the boy. He scurried, zigzagging like all the wilderness survival guides tell you to do when you see a giant. But when that wasn't enough, he sprinted and dove just in time. The foot landed in a cloud of dust and debris, and a second foot joined it. Freddy flailed and crawled away, and when the dust settled, he felt his pocket. Yes, all right, his last penny, still there. The lucky one, apparently. The boy had barely escaped the feet. Feet attached to ankles, to shins, to knees, to... Oh, it was another man after all. Quote, so big and ugly and tall that the boy looked upwards and upwards until he was looking straight up to the sky. This one was impossible to estimate size-wise, so Freddy skipped straight to screaming, panting at the end, catching his breath, and more screaming. This time, the stranger let him finish before he spoke. There's no reason to fear, child, the man said. His voice was so deep and ant-like, Freddy thought it might topple the whole mountain. Like the others before, the stranger had only one request. A penny, please, out of the kindness of the boy's heart. This time, Freddy was the one to shiver and shake. The giant's tattered rags whipped in the wind overhead like sails, creating even more gusts that pressed the boy against the rocks. That's my last penny, though, he shouted so the man could hear. Not because he was angry. He knew what it was like to have nothing for a little to feel like a lot, and compassion washed over him like before. Yes, he was in need, but so was this literal giant, who needed even longer clothes. And even a single penny might not do the trick, but you know what? The man needed it more. For you, he said with an open palm. My last penny, for you. Freddie felt his hand become empty and light, and when he looked up, it wasn't a pair of feet in his face, but a face in his face, which is probably more unsettling. The face of the first man on the mountain, the one at the beginning, and his grin was brighter than any of the sheriff's coins. You have a good heart, child, the man said. His voice was gentle and kind. You gave everything away, and so now I will give you something in return. Wait, this gentleman knew all that Freddy had done? that he had given away three years' worth of wages to progressively taller strangers? You see, all those strangers were me. The young man thought about it. Yeah, yeah, that tracked. The shorts all looked the same, and they all had the same stick. Also, um, just so the man knew, those shorts did not taper. The young man had seen a lot of things he could never unsee when the stranger was the size of a mountain. So here's the deal, child. You gave me three pennies, 
all your pennies, so I'm going to give you one wish for each of those pennies. Anything you want, no wrong answers, go. Anything, anything at all, the stranger grinned. Yes, that's what anything means. Okay, well, uh, Freddy had always, always loved to hear fiddles. It was such a beautiful instrument, and he just loved it. And everyone else did, too. They were so happy and dancey. I think I wish for a fiddle that makes everybody dance. Yeah, everyone alive has to dance when I play it. The stranger agreed, but his smile faded a little bit. That's, that's not a good wish. I, I know I said no wrong answers, but that's about as close as you can get. I'll do it, but it's not good. The man geared up for the second one. All right, make it good. Something real good. Freddy had always wanted to hunt and shoot, not for fun, but to provide for his father, their little family. Maybe he wouldn't have needed to work for the sheriff if he and his father had been able to eat. I wish for a musket that hits the target every time, no matter how far away I am. Freddy raised his eyebrows. That was a better wish, right? The stranger bit his lip a little bit. Ooh, lateral move. Uh, but sure, he would do it. Two pennies, two wishes down. One to go. Make this one count. Freddy rubbed his face, racking his brain for a noble wish. Okay, he got it. Yeah, this one was perfect. Okay. Third wish. No one could refuse him the first thing he asked for. The stranger rubbed his tongue along his top teeth. It's because the world would be better if people were kind and good. And this way, they'll have to share too. Freddy bobbed his head. This was a good wish. He was confident. Good enough, the man said, and with the snap of his finger, he left. He just snapped his finger and hobbled away. That was it. Freddy uh, said, okay, am I going to get that stuff or... Then he looked around and noticed that it was nighttime. Freddy, shivering in the wind, alone on top of a mountain, laid down to sleep. Morning dawned and the sun warmed the rocks around the young man. He hadn't roused once all night long, although sleeping on rocks made for a very sore start to... He rolled over and found that he had been sleeping on a musket and a fiddle. He picked them up and inspected them. Wow. All right. Looks like he got wishes after all. He wondered about that third one, though. Well, the only thing he could do was go try. Instead of pressing forward, he turned back back to the town with the sheriff. The shopkeeper watched the, uh, that thing, wander into his store. A young man, dirt-lined and ragged. The young man looked at the clothes on display. The shopkeeper scoffed, like this kid could afford any of that. He probably didn't even have two pennies to rub together. He made a beeline to collar the kid and throw him out of the store, the kid wearing a musket and carrying a fiddle. Freddy turned and met the shopkeeper's eyes. Oh, good, you're here. Please give me a new set of clothes. The very best. The shopkeeper was ashamed of himself. He was immediately just brimming, overwhelmed with kindness. This unfortunate young man, yes, oh my gosh, he rushed to the back, grabbed the best of what he had, and spent the afternoon tailoring it to the young man. 
The shopkeeper sent Freddy off that afternoon with a smile, happy to his core that he had been able to help the young man who so clearly needed it. It was the same thing at the farm, where Freddy asked for a horse, and at the next, where he asked for a wagon, at the trappers, where he sought a warm coat. Nobody denied him the first thing he requested, and they gave it with a grin and a friendly word. Kindness, just like Freddy wanted. At this point, passers-by tipped their hats and scurried to the edge of the road to make way for the important traveler, coming through their region in a fine coat, riding atop a wagon pulled by a muscled mare. Even the sheriff took notice. The boy's former employer, who still had not found a replacement errand runner, three years spent working together, and the sheriff didn't recognize the young man. Freddy knew that the sheriff didn't recognize him because, well, he greeted Freddy with respect. Hey there, boss. It's me, the boy greeted. He took off his hat, but the sheriff still didn't know him. I'm, I'm Freddy? I worked for you up until like, I don't know, a week ago? You gave me three pennies for three years of work? The sheriff could not believe it. The boy had made the, quite the return on his investment. The horse, the wagon, the coat, all of his new clothes. It was a little incredible and it made the sheriff jealous. That was when the musket came out, held proudly in the young man's grasp. Freddy said he just bought it. He had so much extra money. Uh, He never hunted before. Heck, he never even shot a gun, but it didn't look too difficult. Just like point it at something and uh, pull this little thing. What's it? What's it called? The, The trigger? The sheriff filled in? The trigger. Yeah, that's right. Freddy said also this musket was special. He could probably hit anything, like that magpie over there. The bird was perched so far away, the sheriff had to take the boy's word that it was there at all. The tree, that, he could see. Want to make a bet? Just like a fun, friendly bet? The sheriff laughed. Of course. He would have been willing to bet his whole farm and his horses, plus all of his bags of cash. But seeing as how he only had a couple bags of coins on him at the moment, that would have to do. He put it against, I don't know, all the boy had on him. But, he added, I get to go get the magpie. The sheriff wouldn't have him cheating. The musket cracked, and the shot echoed across the land, over thorn bushes and dirt, and Freddy thought he saw a dark speck fall to the ground. Only the sheriff would know for sure. And he was already halfway there, picking his way through the thorny terrain. Freddy watched as the man scratched his head and crossed his arms, as he kicked the dirt and bent to pick something up off the ground. He did not look happy at all as he sidestepped and tiptoed through the thorny brush once more. Fortunately, Freddy had a way to cheer him up, and the boy grinned as he tucked his fiddle beneath his chin. Fiddle music always made him happy, made him want to dance, and hopefully it would be the same for the sheriff. It was more difficult to play than he had any idea, squeaky and raw and just terrible. The notes came out sharp and sour, but the sheriff seemed to love it. His toes were the first to jiggle, then his hips began to waggle, and his arms took on a new life of their own. It looked like he was the type of man who could dance to anything at all. And Freddy beamed. He was making his former employer so happy. The sheriff hit all the highlights. The shopping cart, the fishing pole, he played both the fisherman and the fish because he danced alone, the non-electric slide, and then the worm. Freddy's face contorted into a grimace. Ooh, no. The thorns. Ah, they were brutal. It began as a tear in the sheriff's sleeve. 
but then the sides of his pants snagged as well. And it went downhill fast. The clothes turned to rags, clawed to shreds by his aggressive dancing amid the thorny bushes. By the time the man made it through with the dead magpie and Freddy lowered his fiddle, the sheriff was the one who was barely recognizable. Did you like my music? Freddy tried again. You know, you kind of look like I did when I left your employment. We're kind of the same now. But of course, they were not. Not anymore. The silence made the boy avert his eyes, and he noticed the magpie. Wow, he hit the mark after all. This musket is something else, he cooed. Wait, sir, where are you going? The sheriff was limping away, but he still had to pay. What about our bet? Aren't you going to pay up? Two bags of coins thumped onto the dirt several paces away, and the sheriff turned with reins in hand. He was too sore to even ride. We will see that there'll be no problem at all with making the sheriff dance through thorns, and we'll all just sit here quietly for 15 more minutes, but that will, once again, be right after this. Freddy had much more than three pennies now, and he couldn't wait to reunite with his father. On the way, he stopped off at an inn for the night. He meant to keep a low profile, to hit the hay early and set off before sunrise to go home, but his fiddle called to him, could not resist. At the first squeak, the hum around the dining hall fell still, and then someone else began to tap a finger, then a foot, then a care to dance and I thought you'd never ask. So much laughter, so much joy, it made Freddy play faster and louder, and his notes began to sound better, more like actual notes. And whenever he asked someone for more to drink or more to eat, they always said yes. It was the best day of Freddy's life. That was until one of Freddy's breaks, when the local watch pounded on the door and kicked it open, shouting about looking for a boy named Freddy with a fiddle and a musket. The interruption was so abrupt and so scary and shocking that Freddy didn't think to play his fiddle, or ask them to leave him alone. Instead, he grabbed his sack and scurried out the door. You'll hang for this. One of the members of the watch turned as they loaded Freddy in a cart. For what? What on earth had he done that they had come for him by name? For assaulting the sheriff, said one. And robbing him, too, added another, taking the bag of coins. His former employer had already complained. Said you almost killed him with thorns? Brutal. Those were the last words the boy heard as the caged cart began to wobble away. And, and as Freddy sat back in the cart, he realized it was an uncomfortable seat. It was uncomfortable because, well, he was sitting on the fiddle that they had forgotten to take from him. His tune began in a minor key, sad and somber, much like he felt, his notes ringing with skilled vibrato that surprised even him. He opened one eye, angling his brow high and then low, and the watch loved the music even more than the guests at the inn. They swayed like young trees in the wind, bending at the waist with sweeping arms and long faces. Their performance was moving. Abstract, contemporary, these guys were artists. They all missed their calling being in the watch. Freddy asked the nearest guard to open the cage, and, of course, the answer was yes. Always yes, for the first thing he asked. Over the next few days, when the watch couldn't do what the sheriff wanted, he sent other guards than soldiers. And it was always the same, although the dances were different. The guards had fallen quickly into formation, 
like a dance troupe. With rhythm and flips way before their time, the soldiers had formed pairs, dancing on the field as though in a ballroom, each couple trying to outdo the others. For all, stamina proved to be the biggest challenge, and even the strongest dancers eventually took to doing the flop like everyone else. But for as long as they could stand, Freddie continued to make music. And as long as Freddie continued to make music, well, they would dance. So much joy, so much merriment. For the arresting officers, it was the least he could do. Eventually, Freddie decided to move on, to share his talents with another village that wasn't constantly trying to arrest him, to be one town closer to his dear father. His arm had ached at the beginning from all of his fiddle playing, but then his muscles adjusted. Still, it was nice to have a day off. No inn for him tonight, he would tuck himself into some tall grass beneath a tree and spend the night in the great outdoors, like he had on his journey. Fresh air was always good, and the weather had grown warm with the change of seasons. It was the perfect opportunity, their only chance, really. Leave the fiddle behind, one of the guards had thought, but didn't say it. Nobody wanted to wake the boy, so they scooped him up, boy and bag, and carried him on a blanket to the gallows on the other side of town. He had already been convicted once before, without a trial, but nobody was going to bring that up. They couldn't risk more dancing. Their blistered feet could not take any more. Though it was not quite morning, and no announcement had been made, a crowd had gathered around the gallows, waiting to see if the musician was really gonna die. Off to the side, the sheriff sat atop a horse, watching and waiting. At the first sight of the boy asleep on the blanket, the crowd murmured, and the sheriff sat a little taller and stifled a grin. Payback would be worth all this. Take the fiddle away, he boomed over the crowd. Why did the kids still have that thing? Like, uh, this is day one stuff, guys, come on he shouted, throwing his hands in the air before stacking them on the horn of his saddle. Seriously, people. Little Freddy sat up like most of us, groggy, a little confused, not ready to wake up. Um, where even was he? I told you you were gonna hang. A gruff voice preceded an even gruffer hand, which drew Freddy to his feet and shoved him toward the base of the ladder, a death climb. So, it had come to this. Freddy looked around and... There he was, his old employer. There were a few options for escape this time. One by one, he climbed the rungs, lingering on each one, willing himself to rise at the prodding of the guards. With each step, a heaviness grew inside. Spare me, please, he asked the guard at his shoulder. The guard laughed. Freddy thought back to the last couple of days. Ooh, yeah, he had already used it on that guard. He only got one ask, and this one had been the one to free him from the cart back at the inn. Okay, what about... Everywhere Freddy looked, he saw someone he had already spoken with before. The horse, the wagon, his clothes, all the food, all the drinks, a favor here, a favor there. Everyone had been kind to him in the past month in this town. All except for the hangman, maybe. The man's face was veiled. It was hard to tell, but it would be worth a try. At the top step, Freddy sat down, wilting. Could he please, please, play his fiddle one last time? The boy's final wish, just one tiny little ditty, a mournful dirge, 
just before the lights went out. Would the hangman allow it? Nice try, the sheriff called. He had to give it to the kid. He had tenacity. What a shame. But the hangman held up a hand. He was filled with pity, kindness. Sure, he would execute a child today without trial on the testimony of one guy who's known to be a jerk, but he wouldn't be able to sleep at night if he didn't give this child his final wish. One song. That was it. Freddie was eternally grateful. However, just before the fill tucked beneath the boy's chin, the sheriff shouted again. First, it was a no, but when that did nothing, the hangman was blocking the way. This child was going to get his wish no matter what. He pleaded, let me tie myself to a tree first. Let me get ready. The people looked to each other. That's a weird ask, but okay. Freddie waited as the man produced a long rope from the saddlebag and enlisted several townspeople in helping him bind himself to a thick trunk off to the side. I won't fall for the torturous dancing again, he muttered with a laugh. You have no idea what you're in for. When you're finished, you'll swing. He called aloud and waved when he was ready. The hangman looked down at Freddy with a nod, and when the notes began to play, the hooded figure began to shimmy and shake with surprise. It was, it was dad dancing for sure, but you know, he was enjoying it. He danced on the platform of the gallows with the grace of a rhino and a flood of expression that seemed to shoot from his fingertips. It was mesmerizing to, oh, well, to Freddy, then Freddy alone. Everyone else was too busy dancing to watch and enjoy, to dab their sweaty brows or use the bathroom or even catch their breath. It became the fastest song the boy had ever played. Faster and faster, with each step down from the gallows and through the clearing that had become a dance-off in a matter of minutes. Never mind all the roots and rocks that snagged toes of shoes and dug into backsides and elbows when people fell. But there was one dancer in particular who seemed to struggle the most, who had all the moves a dancer could want, but refused to use the full area of the floor. Maybe he wanted to, but couldn't. What with all the layers of rope tying him to a tree. You see, bark was designed to protect trees. It was hard and knobby, worse than roots and worse than stones, and worst of all, the sheriff could not escape, nor could he stop dancing, which looked more like writhing. It was a sad sight to anyone saddened by a greedy employer who beat children, didn't pay his employees, and then tried to use his power to murder them, his shirt ripping to shreds and turning red. Maybe it wasn't joy and merriment today. The screams and shouts didn't sound a lot like laughter and happiness, and Freddy lowered his fiddle. A breather, a rest. Many collapsed into the grass, and the sheriff would have, too, if he had been able. Perhaps a cheerful song now, a slower one, Freddy asked. But at the slightest rise of his fiddle, the people gasped and shook their heads. Even the sheriff screamed for him to stop. He would leave Freddy alone. He promised that Freddy could keep the money, no charges, but just please stop playing. And as the sun rose higher in the sky, Freddy took his sack and headed down the path. He would see his father soon, and he would tell him all about how he had turned three pennies into so much more, all because of the kindness he spread with his gentle asking and his music.
This was a fun one. It had the fairy tale threes we see every now and then, but try not to overdo. And yeah, if the employer paid their employee, they would have avoided all the bad stuff. All the worn out dancers, the bloody back, and the thorns. He ended up losing the money anyway, and so much more. So yeah, I guess the lesson is to pay a living wage, because you never know who's going to come back with a magic violin and enlist the town in endless, mandatory dance parties. Speaking of dance parties, next week isn't that. It is a party, though. A party no one is supposed to speak of. We'll go back into 1001 Nights and see what happens when the people do speak of it, though. Basically, the result is story time and murder? Even if you're liking Myths and Legends and want to support the show, there's a couple ways to do that. One, there's a membership thing on the site. And for Apple Podcast listeners, you can try Myths and Legends Plus straight through that app. Either way, for less than the price of tiny, and I mean tiny, stationery you can barely write on, you can get ad-free versions and extra episodes of the show that will hopefully brighten your day, even if the squirrels you leave notes for outside never reply. You see them reading, or I guess eating your notes, but do you ever hear back? No. Seriously, the envelopes are like one inch tall. It's crazy. For more info on the membership, check out mythpodcast.com slash membership. Creatures this week are the Moskin Tongbop and the Chisin Tongbop, wood and earth imps from Korean folklore. So, I don't like change. I don't like rearranging rooms or building things or home improvement. I'm straight up bad at home improvement. And you might think that it's because I'm lazy, unskilled, or both. And while that would be correct, in this situation, I'm also just trying to keep myself and my family healthy. You know why? Wood imps. You know the dark forest is dangerous. You know this. But you know what's almost equally dangerous? Bringing the dark forest to you. So apparently, if you bring wood into your home, it could be infested with wood imps. It's not just any day that you have to bring the wood in. It has to be an inauspicious day. There's a whole calendar that would be too long to detail here, but I posted a bit from an academic article on the site. Basically, if you chop wood do any sort of construction, bring wood into or near your house, or even move furniture in one instance, congrats, you have a case of wood or earth imps. What does that mean? Well, apparently they give people headaches or soreness in their limbs. Someone's new toilet shed led to them getting chest congestion, moving around a cabinet in a rented room, stomach pains. You need to hire a shaman to get rid of them. And the manchine, the shaman, will have to burn dried mugwort to fumigate the whole house and draw them out, then, the solution is boiling the imps alive in a bubbling cauldron. Yeah, machines go hard. They do not mess around. Then, it's just pasting charms in your doorways and any other vulnerable spot so you don't get a reinfection. So yeah, you could do all this stuff to change things around in your house, improve it, ugh, but why risk it? I mean, do you want wood imps? Because all that work, all that change, that's how you get wood imps. That's it for this week. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Our theme song is by Broke for Free. And the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to even more of the music we used in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>